What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another exciting episode of Whatever News! The only news source that provides anything and everything anime and manga related. And guess what? We don't bore you. We get into it. Let's do it! Still moving on, still moving on. This is for my day ones. This is for my day ones. Come on. And before we get started, if you would hit that subscribe button and that bell, I'd greatly appreciate it. That way you could get updated on the latest and greatest of news in the world of anime and manga. And yeah, it helps the show. So super appreciate it. And also check out my album, The Rise of Tim Roosevelt, out now on all streaming platforms. Songs like Day Ones, Mistakes, Balance. You heard them on the show. And yeah, you can go listen to them right now. But with all that being said, let's get started, people. And first story on the docket. Well, one of a couple of different stories in the world of Attack on Titan. Now, y'all already know we're just inching away from the finale of Attack on Titan's anime. In fact, by the time you're watching this, I want to say either the latest or the grand finale, so to speak, of the final chapters, final parts of Attack on Titan might be readily available to watch, depending on when they release that bad boy and when this episode comes out. Although, Saturday's 12 p.m. EST is when you can expect a new episode of Forever News. However, we got a message from Hajime Isayama, the creator of Attack on Titan recently in regards to the anime and at the same time him apologizing to the staff at Studio Mappa. If you're not familiar with Studio Mappa, there's a studio behind the finale of Attack on Titan, all the final chapters, final episodes, all that good stuff, as well as Jujutsu Kaisen, Chainsaw Man, the latest season of Vinland Saga, so on and so forth. And yeah, there's been a lot that has come out in recent months regarding Studio Mappa, well, recent years to be honest with you, regarding Studio Mappa being a very toxic work environment, so much so that a lot of the workers were speaking out and Studio Mappa kind of clapped back at the workers by making them sign non-disclosure agreements where basically they can't talk about the rigorous and, you know, dare I say it, downright, again, toxic uh, work environment that is Studio Mappa. So it's been a very, very convoluted situation. And I think to a certain degree, this was Hajime Isayama's response to the whole fiasco, but also just in general, giving a little bit of a nod on, yo, he put a lot of work into the original drawings and art of Attack on Titan and all that good stuff. So it's been very rigorous on Studio Map employers in general, because yeah, to make Attack on Titan anime, translating it from the manga and all of that incredible detail, I'd imagine it's a tall order. Here's what Isayama had to say though. Final season, Attack on Titan, based on the manga by Hajime Isayama. Isayama says, it's been 10 years since the TV anime started. Yes, 2013, baby. Thank you very much for sticking with us through all that time. The climax scene that happens in the last half of the final season was very hard to draw in the original manga as well. So I couldn't help but think this is going to be rough for Mappa. Mappa is probably thinking, please stop. I'm sorry, Mappa. I'm really sorry. Even then, I'm very excited to see how it'll turn out in the anime. Also, this time, by my request, I got to draw a little bit of the rough draft towards the end. Please watch until the end. Very fascinating. I personally feel like, hands down, bar none, that is easy. I'm abating people into that there might be a change in the ending of Attack on Titan. And I'm the original author. And I had a part in writing the rough draft for the ending of the anime. So make sure you watch to the end. By not necessarily saying it, he gets to be scot-free if it doesn't really change anything. But it also builds anticipation. It'll get a lot more people that maybe they were like, yo, Attack on Titan been playing with me too much. I don't care no more. I'm not wa- Wait, Isayama said what now? Isayama 
Yama said, huh? That he worked on the rough draft for the final. Oh, maybe he's changed. Oh my God, we might have a different ending for Attack on Titan. So definitely feels like Isayama's playing into that, even if it's just a little bit, or it could even be coincidental, although I don't believe in coincidences by any means. And him saying this is going to be rough for Mappa. Mappa's probably thinking, please stop. 110% they are thinking, please stop. They're probably even thinking worse. They're probably thinking like, take your manga and shove it, homie. We tired of drawing. And, uh... Him apologizing, that's dope, especially considering the fact that doesn't seem like Studio Mop was going to be apologizing to any of these animators, considering they're making them sign NDAs, non-disclosure agreements. They got them living at their desk, and I'm going to keep on essentially promoting the, the truth. You know what I'm saying? The truth of the matter is that animators and many of these animation studios are slaves. The Studio Mop employees, yes, they signed on for this. Their dreams was probably to be animators. They did not understand what they were stepping into on top of the societal structure of Japan that they will probably face severe repercussions if they wanted to quit. That's something of a conversation that isn't talked about much regarding this whole situation with the animators and the animation studio. And that's that in Japan, because of the way their society is structured, when you leave a job or you get fired or anything in that sort of field happens, you get considered like a failure. You get considered, you know, the nail that stuck out and you need to be hammered in. And it's way too much pressure for a lot of these people. And that that's where we've had a lot of situations where people essentially delete themselves because of being failures. So the Studio Mappa employees, even if they wanted to quit, there's a big, you know, weight on their shoulders of, yo, everybody in that I know is going to look at me different. I'm going to be considered a failure. I'm going to, you know, let down my family name, my whole, you know, family tree, so to speak. These are the thoughts that they have, which is why they oftentimes stick around despite the fact that they literally at Studio Mappa, I'm not using hyperbole, they literally are having their beds by their desk and sleeping in their beds and getting up to draw and going back to sleep. That is their lives. That is slavery. That is not cool, not bueno by any stretch of the imagination. And ultimately, I just want to send my heart out to the employees of Studio Mappa. Shout outs to Isayama at the very least apologizing for the extra workload that they have. I understand that some people are going to say, yo, but they signed up for this. I don't think I a lot of these artists or animators, shall I say, really understand what they're signing up for. Understand that they're moving in to literally just work 24-7. And speaking from somebody that has had similar instances of working nonstop like that, I can tell you that it's stressful. I've never had to be an animator. I can only imagine that is a whole other level of stress because of the deadlines and whatnot. Again, salute to Studio Mappa employees. Again, shout outs to Isayama apologizing to them over this whole situation. And hopefully they get not only raises after Attack on Titan is over, but maybe some breaks or something. Like, God damn, Studio Mappa, slow it down. Y'all picking up every anime title and y'all making these animators go nuts out there. So I just had to speak my piece on this situation because, yeah, um, whenever there's an opportunity to speak out on what's happening to these poor animators, I'm going to do just so. So shout out to Studio Mappa animators. Studio Mappa, once again, do better. And I know this is about Isayama apologizing and all that other stuff. But, yeah, why not? use my platform for good. But we also have a whole bunch of other Attack on Titan related stories. For starters, Attack on Titan director breaks silence on the anime's big finale. It takes a village when it comes to creating the animated world of the Scout Regiment, with the same being true for the final episode of Attack on Titan's anime. With the episode touted to be the same length as a feature-length film, we're only a few days away from seeing the Survey Corps fight their biggest battle, which will also be their last. Oh my god, that's so sad to think of. Yo, we're about to be living in a world post-Attack on Titan anime. While the creator of the franchise 
franchise Hajime Isayama had thoughts to share about the grand finale, director Yuichiro Hayashi had a special message for fans. Attack on Titan's final episode would unleash the full powers of the founding Titan as anime viewers have only gotten a glimpse of what Eren Yeager can accomplish in the role. Unleashing the rumbling upon the world, Eren was able to eliminate most of the planet's population in one of the darkest, most brutal scenes of the series to date. It's pretty freaking brutal. Even though the scout regiment was able to accomplish their goal of coming face to face with their former friend, defeating him in combat is going to be another story altogether. Regardless of who claims victory here, fans should prepare themselves for some major deaths to take place in this last installment. And Yuichiro Hayashi, the current director of Attack on Titan's anime, had this to say about the upcoming finale. The anime Attack on Titan is finally heading towards its finale. These last four years, I faced this project every single day going, fight, fight. We put everything I could possibly think of into this, and I believe the final footage is just a compilation of all of our passion. A new script from Isayama-sensei, the actor's soul-filled performance. A new script from Isayama-sensei. Yo, are we getting a new ending for Attack on Titan? This is twice now. Between Isayama saying that he worked on a, a rough draft for the ending, and then now a new script from Hajime's. I'm just saying, bro. What are we in store for? I gotta throw this in there. I'm sorry. The absolute perfect pieces of music. Please experience all of this. Yo, you can't. If you've been in Attack on titan fan of the anime or manga or both you need to experience this and i'm not trying i don't get nothing from studio mapo i don't get nothing from isayama i don't get nothing from none of this i'm just saying that this sounds like an experience at the very least we all need to witness together on whatever they're going to do with this finale because a new script they might be changing the <laughs> finale of attack on titan this is madness well attack on titan will debut in japan on november 4th yeah by the time you're watching this episode either the episode is dropping or is about to drop because you know again whenever news comes out saturday's 12 p.m est um which will be november 4th so look out for it it has yet to be seen as to whether or not it will arrive in north america the same day when the penultimate episode arrived many wondered if crunchyroll would see the installment land on its platform that they have released luckily the streaming service was able to bring the second to last episode to its roster that same day which is a good sign for the final installment there's no way possible that they can miss out on doing a simulcast on the final finale you know what i'm saying people are gonna just pirate the living crap out of it it's a finale nobody's waiting y'all gotta get it together crunchyroll y'all better have y'all translators there on deck translating as soon as get it done y'all don't want to miss out on that uh hype train of people watching attack it's gonna crash crunch roll i'm calling it right now it's the finale of one of the most talked about series of all time okay let me stop we got a little bit more attack on titan the final chapters part two anime's main trailer has streamed pony canyon began streaming a new trailer on saturday for the attack on titan final season the final chapters just such a mouthful part two anime linked horizon is performing the theme song nisen en moshiku wa niman nen ato no kimi e to you in 2000 or 2000 years from now i've always loved the first you know titled episode when i always thought that was really dope the anime will premiere of course november 4th which will be at 11 a.m edt the anime will stream on a whole bunch of places in japan but not same where it'll be over here and it'll be 85 minutes long so that'll be one hour and 25 minutes almost an hour and a half yeah that's damn near like a, a full movie and yeah it's crazy and then last but not least another bombshell of an attack on titan story we just got whole huge things between isayama hinting that the finale is going to change of attack on titan a director also hinting that the finale of the anime is going to change and now we got an update on attack on titan the manga that is supposed to be coming the brand new manga from hajime isayama and yeah this is 
what the new manga is going to be about. Unfortunately, you may not be happy, or you may be happy about this. I don't know. Let's read. Attack on Titan shares first look at new manga one-shot. Attack on Titan is closing in on its biggest milestone to date. After more than a decade on air, the time has come for the hit anime to wrap up. November will mark the launch of Attack on Titan's anime finale, so all eyes are on our heroes. All eyes on me. Now Levi seems to have nabbed extra attention, and this is all thanks to a first look at Attack on Titan's upcoming manga one-shot. For those unaware of the situation, Attack on Titan and is gearing up for a special release next April. Series creator Hajime Isayama will put out a new art book in April 2024 titled Attack on Titan Fly. The book will come complete with tons of unseen artwork and that includes an all new manga one shot which is how they're getting people to come buy that in droves. Now we have been shown storyboards for the big release and it seems this new one shot is all about I don't know why I'm doing that. You're literally looking at the article on screen. Levi, Attack on Titan Fly art book. Bad Boy, 18-page new manga drawn by Hajime Isayama. Four draft pages are now revealed. It's a new story about Levi's childhood. And as you can see, the draft pages released put Levi in focus, even if it's hard to tell. After all, these pages are rough drafts in the, in the extreme. Still, we can make out Levi's kid form in the pages, so we are going to learn more about his tough past with this one shot. In these pages, we can see Levi with his mom at one point, but then there are others where he is alone. These following drafts show Levi in plane with a group of adults surrounding him. It seems the underground's harsh environment will come across in the new one shot as well. So, of course, fans are curious. At some point, we know Levi is taken in by Kenny after his mom dies, and their bond is nothing short of toxic hopefully we get to see plenty of all new info about levi's past even if it is rather angsty right now this new one shot will not go live until next spring so attack on titan fans have some time to kill before it's released in the meantime you can always prepare for the ending of attack on titan which drops probably you know this saturday november 4th yeah okay so i feel like for fans that were scared that this new manga one shot was going to be another retcon or changing of the ending of attack on titan that was going to take place after your fears are relieved. It's a prequel manga way back in the day when Levi was a little kid. I hope they have, because um, I can't remember when he ran into Irwin. Because there, there was, I remember, I think it was either a light novel or a visual novel of sorts that had like Levi when he first met Irwin. I think they even turned that into a manga now that I think of it. Where he first met Irwin and he started, you know, going with him. And there was like a very toxic relationship between Levi and Irwin. Now that I think about it, he had a toxic relationship with Kenny. And then that just translated over to Irwin. And I remember there was one time I read something where Levi was talking about like he was going to kill Irwin and all sorts of stuff. So I'm curious if that's going to be involved in this or not. But either way, uh, yeah, a prequel. Personally for me, I'm like, okay, it'll probably be good. So that's dope. And also it won't mess around with the ending of Attack on Titan and make fans go nuts. So that's good too. Me personally though, as far as things go, I do always prefer like, okay, you know, I'm invested in the Attack on Titan world. If you've seen the ending of Attack on Titan's manga, you can deduce that maybe there's a possibility for some sort of sequel or spinoff or whatnot. And I was hoping that if this was going to be that, which I feel is personally inevitable with a title like Attack on Titan, one of the most popular, you know, manga ever, and one of the most popular, probably the most popular Kodansha manga in existence, I was assuming that that one shot that Isayama did was going to be a Kickstarter or a launching pad so to speak for for whatever sequel series they were going to do but levi prequel is fine too there you have it people that's all the attack on titan stories i have but big big stuff to recap just again levi prequel manga will be coming next year attack on titan's ending has seemingly a new draft of writing based on what isayama and the director of attack on titan's anime said this is a very interesting finale for the attack on titan fandom moving forward i got a couple of pieces of dragon ball news 
for starters, let's get the little you know, smaller stuff out the way. I don't think that many people are excited about this. I kind of think it's cool and it gets me a little bit more interested back into this situation. That Dragon Ball The Breakers game has a Season 4 trailer that reveals Broly as a new character that they're adding to the game. And it's Super Broly, so they really are trying to get any attention. Because they realistically, for a game like that, probably having the more nut job Broly from you know original Dragon Ball Z Broly would have been the better choice. But I think they're just trying anything to get people to care about this game which i'm gonna be honest with you i'm one of those people that hey everybody could hate this game i think this game is interesting fun and cool you know what i mean that's just me uh but bandai namco entertainment europe began streaming on tuesday a trailer for season four and first anniversary updates for the dragon ball breakers eight person online multiplayer game the fourth season will begin on november 1st the fourth season will add broly as a raider and add survivor skins for chili limo bulma and a snowsuit and mr satan the first anniversary update includes the dangerous ground map goku and vegeta transfers in-game t-shirts and stamps as well as new customizable items for the in-game shop the video also teases super saiyan blue gogeta the third season launch i see i, I didn't even know they released dlc for this because to be honest with you everybody makes it seem like which it probably is a little bit of a dead game but it's one of the most creative dragon ball games that they've released in a long time and that's what i'm hyped for i know a lot of people they're so technical about everything and they always forget that we play video games for fun like you know what i'm saying well i play video games for fun i don't know what everybody else i'm playing video games for fun and this is fun and if they worked out a little bit of those kinks i might jump back in why not let's do it but yeah they got broly uh incoming for the uh dragon ball breakers something probably to get people re-excited uh about this whole game in general <laughs> and while we're on the topic of dragon ball i got a little bit more of a pressing story that i think you might find of interest and that's regarding the original or the writer of dragon ball evolution y'all know dragon ball evolution one of the most hated and despised anime to live action adaptations known to mankind it's been touted as easily one of the worst things that has ever come out of hollywood when they've touched an anime a japanese product for that matter people really hate dragon ball evolution and rightfully so it was a, a botched attempt at bringing forth the world of dragon ball and all those characters to life it was it was just bad you know what i'm saying i think maybe as a standalone movie it might have gotten away with something but in general it kind of sucked and recently over on the blurred's eye view podcast uh the original writer I, I keep saying original the writer of dragon ball evolution's movie sat down with the cast and crew of the blurred's eye view to discuss his role and what what happened you know what i'm saying because it was a few years back which i did cover on another channel you could look it up for Neverworld dragon ball evolution i'm sure it's out there uh where he a few years back came out and apologized for dragon ball evolution he was like my bad <laughs> you know what i'm saying but in this instance where he sat down with this podcast uh he kind of broke it down a little bit more as to what actually happened and why dragon ball evolution sucked so to speak and i'll link in the description below so you could check out the full-on episode or the full-on clip of where he was talking about dragon ball evolution but in a nutshell he basically says that he wrote like 10 different drafts and essentially with every draft, as he kept on writing, the studio kept on, well, can you take this out? Can you take that out? Initially, the person that was supposed to be on board for directing was a different person, which I've heard some of these things before of like the directors and all sorts of stuff switching and whatnot. But essentially, even towards his final draft that he handed in, by the time he actually got to see the movie, because around that time, you know, 2006, 2007, 2008, the writer's strike happened. This was a writer's strike from, you know, 
quite a while ago, over a decade ago, but there was a writer's strike. I remember very vividly, like it affected everything down to Breaking Bad's first season. You know what I'm saying? Like it was a very big deal. And the writer's strike essentially made it so that he didn't even know what was going on with it. He got murmurings finally, I think in 2007 that they were filming it and he was just happy like, oh, they're, they're actually making it. Let's go. So he wrote 10 different drafts and you know handed it in and even during the drafts they kept on with notes like can you make it more you know basically can you americanize it more you know what i'm saying can you colonize it a little bit you know can you make it colonizer friendly so to speak where you take out all of the elements that actually give it its culture and essence of what dragon ball is and by the time he handed it in they did whatever they did with his original script and we got Dragon Ball Evolution. So to completely blame it on, and forgive me, I have not said homie's name. I'm sorry, Ben Ramsey, the writer of Dragon Ball Evolution. Ben Ramsey. To completely blame it on Ben Ramsey when there was just so much chaos with this project, where there was so much of... It was out of his hands. Like, he wrote 10 different drafts. With every draft, they were telling him, change this, change that. And even from his final draft, from my understanding, it was also different. Like, they, I don't know exactly what happened behind the scenes and whatnot. But, yeah, they took what he did and made their thing and it was even from early on its inception that initially like because he read the whole manga like he was actually he wasn't a dragon ball fan i don't think initially but when he got the project he read up and down everything about the dragon ball manga and his first drafts he sounds like he was saying that it was damn near identical to you know it was a very faithful to the source material type of story that he wrote and you know even early on i guess that they didn't want goku to be a young kid they wasn't trying to make this movie for kids they wanted him a little older which that's totally Totally fine too. I mean, by the end of Dragon Ball, Goku is already a little bit older or whatnot. But in general, it sounds like a lot of this was the studio heads that didn't care about Dragon Ball, didn't know what the heck it was. They got a guy that uh, at least he tried. Ben Ramsey tried. He looked into it. He read the source material up and down. He understands all of this uh, of whatnot of Dragon Ball. And then they just did whatever. So to completely blame Ben Ramsey for the situation is uncool, unfair, and just in general, shout outs to Homie. I don't know what he's done since Dragon Ball Evolution, but I'm not going to hold Homie to the fire for a film that happened 14 years ago, I think, at this particular point, and really was out of his control. You know, they switched directors, they switched studios, they, they did a lot, and yeah... Fox got eventually gobbled up by Disney and bye-bye. So the mistakes that they made clearly cost them big time. But again, shout out to the homie Ben Ramsey. Uh, I think it's dope that uh, he went on and cleared that. And if he ever wanted to say anything else, you're always welcome as well on my platform. And shout out to the Blurred's Eye View for conducting this interview with Ben Ramsey. Really awesome stuff and very insightful to find out what happened and the whole mystery of this terrible film and the writer and how things came about to where we go from homie reads the whole manga and writes a really faithful draft to I think at one point Piccolo was yellow. I remember that was one of the big things that is it was is it Jason Marston? I, I forget what homie's name is from Buffy. Like when he came out and said, yo, Piccolo's yellow and I told him no, he's supposed to be green. Like that's how far they strayed away. Piccolo was supposed to be yellow. What the hell? But there you have it, folks. Shout outs to the Blurred's Eye View and uh, yeah, Ben Ramsey. Moving forward, this is a very interesting story. I love it when mangaka get together and chop it up and talk about situations. And apparently, Shonen Jump recently united three of its top creators in the magazine or from the magazine, shall I say. Shonen Jump has been one of the premier spots for manga for quite some time. The Shueisha publication has become such a player in the anime world that its specific stories have gained their own genre in the medium, with the publication responsible for introducing fans to movers and shakers such as Dragon Ball, One Piece, and Hunt the Hunter, to name a few. Three of the biggest artists in the magazine's history recently had the opportunity to meet and talk all things anime. Weekly Shonen Jump published its first issue in 1968 and has been introducing classic manga series to the world ever since. In this legend, 
Legendary Anime Dinner, the artists that were in attendance included Kohei Horikoshi, which that's the, in case you don't know, that's the writer and artist of My Hero Academia, you know, one of the biggest shonen manga out right now. Taite Kubo, creator of Bleach. I'm sure you've heard of it. Thousand of Blood Wars tearing it up right now. And Gage Akutami, literally one of the leading, most selling manga right now, Jujutsu Kaisen. I'm sure you've heard of that one too. If the names don't ring a bell, the three manga are responsible for My Hero, Bleach, and Jujutsu Kaisen, to name a few. While there has never been an official crossover between these three properties, which I would love to see it, outside of Shonen Jump covers and a handful of Shonen video games, the three artists have plenty in common when it comes to talking about their works. All three manga series currently have major anime adaptations that have taken the world by storm that's facts too bleach creator taite kubo revealed that he had dinner with my hero academia's kohei horikoshi and jujutsu kaisen's gaga akutami via his social media account here's how kubo described the legendary meeting of the minds today i dined with horikoshi kun and akutami kun although our meeting was not a big deal it was full of stories that i could not publish a single word about and that's like damn fam we we, we want to know what happened at this dinner when it comes to each of these anime properties they have bright futures ahead of them bleach recently finished the second core of its thousand year blood war my hero is preparing to unleash its seventh season and Jujutsu Kaisen is neck deep in its second season to follow the Shibuya incident arc. The story of the society doesn't currently have a new story running in Shonen Jump, but the students of UA are in the thick of their final arc while Jujutsu Tech has thrown some serious hurdles at its character. And I ain't gonna lie, I just wish I could have been for this one. I just want to be a fly on the wall and hear what they talking about, dog. This is literally three icons, bro. Bleach I sold over 100 million copies. It was part of the big three with Naruto and One Piece. Like, it's Bleach. And then Jujutsu Kaisen right now, outside of One Piece, is the biggest selling manga, period. Well, I don't know about this season. Blue Lock might have something to say. But regardless, Gagak Utami is a beast and a great freaking writer and all of that good stuff. And then, of course, you got My Hero Academia's Koi Horikoshi. And despite what you want to say about the last year and a half of My Hero Academia's manga writing, My Hero has brought a lot of entertainment to people for a lot of years and was one of the pillars of anime and manga, for that matter, especially in the shonen bracket that held it down or held it up, shall I say, for manga as a whole once Naruto and Bleach ended. You know, there was a big void and My Hero came and definitely helped out until Demon Slayer kind of came and blew every manga out the water. But yeah, shout outs to these three regardless of what I wish. Like, see, I don't think these manga can understand or realize that you get some sort of structure and not, not everything needs to be content. I understand that too. But you get some sort of structure, you film this thing, you could sell this for millions of dollars. How many people would love to hear Kubo and Akutami and Horikoshi all speaking together or whatnot? That would be phenomenal. But again, a lot of people, they value their privacy more than the money that they would get from content. And I completely understand that. That's awesome. And since we're talking about Bleach, apparently Bleach Anime Studio has broken its silence on the dub's recent recasting. In case you missed it, there was a big commotion regarding the situation of the casting or recasting of Yoroichi from Bleach. In a nutshell, Yoroichi has been voiced by Wendy Lee for since the beginning of the character's inception into, you know, the English dub. Recently, there was a recast casting for an undisclosed reason and Anaris Quinones recently was you know casted as the role something happened a lot of people alleged that Wendy Lee went and complained and the role was reverted back to Wendy Lee and it was just a big big commotion Wendy Lee was saying things that just was unnecessary after the fact and it got really really toxic and well let's see what's going on the past week has been difficult for the Bleach fandom while fans await news on the anime's next core the conversation regarding Ichigo Kurosaki shifted in light of a sudden recap 
casting. Not long ago, reports confirmed the English dub Bleach Stallion Blood War wasn't going to have actress Anaris Quinones voicing Yoruichi. Instead, the dub's original actress, Wendy Lee, was invited to reprise the role. The revelation quickly turned into a sticky debate online, and now the studio who oversees the Bleach dub is speaking out, which that would be Viz Media, right? Recently, a representative for Studio Opolis addressed the situation in a new statement. The message, which was posted by Anime News Network, shoutouts to them, stresses the situation was a product of a simple error. We would like to address the unfortunate circumstances that led to the casting error around the character Yoroichi Shihoin in Bleed Styles in Blood War episode 22. It was always Studiopolis's intent to keep as many of the established cast members as possible from the original Bleach anime, the statement reads. There was a misunderstanding that Yoroichi was part of the list of the original cast members who were unavailable to participate in the Bleach Styles in Blood War. In era, our casting coordinator offered Anaris Quinones the role. By the time this error came to our attention, it was too late to correct before episode 22 was released. We would like to take this opportunity to apologize once again and express how much we appreciate their talents and enjoy working with Anaris and Wendy who will both continue to add their voice work to Bleach Styles and Blood War with Wendy as Yoroichi and Anaris as Hiyori Sarugaki. This address comes days after the Bleach ordeal surfaced online. It began after Kinona's informed fans they would not be voicing Yoroichi in the anime's English dub. The ordeal escalated after a number of fans and fellow anime professionals replied to Kinona's post with sympathies. A number of now deleted tweets by Wendy Lee were sent in response to those posts and fans were stunned by the harassment. Not long after, I don't want to say harassment now. I think that's a little bit of a reach. I'm, by no means am I trying to shoot Wendy Lee Bale because she, you know, was doing the most. But to label that harassment, that's a reach. Come on now. Not long after, Lee posted an apology to Quinones on social media for the situation. And as for Quinones, they responded in kind with a message to Lee before announcing a brief hiatus from social media. I haven't responded to Wendy privately as I have no energy or interest in participating in the situation more than I already have. And I'm not ready to talk. Please respect that. At this point, it seems Lee is moving forward with her role as Yoruichi. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna throw a shot in the dark, my own theory on what happened, which for the most part, what they've said is legit. You know, why would they lie about the error of whatnot? But I'm gonna bet that at a given point, maybe Wendy Lee, whether it be a year ago or quite a while ago, maybe Wendy Lee said, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to be available when that happens. Maybe Wendy Lee had something going on or maybe again, just somebody thought whether it was conversation with Wendy Lee or conversation with her manager, whatever the case may be, maybe she was out of town and they were like, okay, bet she's not going to be available when that rolls around. Write it on the paper. A year and some change passes by. Wendy Lee is like, yo, I'm here. I'm in town. I'm ready to work. And they're like, yo, but like a year and a half ago, you wasn't kind of ready. Like we did this and she's probably like, yo, that's my role. <laughs> Don't y'all want to keep the originals? They were like, ah, bet, bet, bet. We'll tell Anaris. So that's probably what happened. Still a little shitty of a situation. And again, my heart goes out to Anaris. You're going to do bigger and better. Don't worry about this. This is just a, a bump in the road, so to speak. But shout outs to everybody involved. I don't like that they were trying to make it seem like Wendy Lee was harassing. And again, I'm not caping for Wendy Lee. I'm just saying that's that's not harassment. That's just she was probably handling this in a very immature manner manner moving forward we got a couple of pieces of one piece news i guess for starters let's read this it says here let it stream one piece 25th anniversary of the anime isn't it great i sometimes check youtube but now you can watch all episodes of one piece on youtube for 24 hours did you know that it's a crazy plan i heard it takes about 20 days if you watch it and yeah just you yeah i think it's i don't know if it's in america or not but i know for sure in japan that you can pretty much watch and i don't think it's in america now i think of it although you get crunch rule you can watch everything of one piece or whatnot um but yeah 
Uh, I think that's a really dope thing that they're doing, allowing fans that don't have any access to watch all the One Piece. Although I don't know who's going to stay up for 20 days. You're going to have to miss some stuff. You know what I'm saying? But kudos to that. And kudos to, once again, Oda's enthusiasm about the situation. But then, uh, apparently One Piece creator has gushed over Netflix's series following the Season 2 order for more episodes. For quite some time, many anime fans believed the live-action One Piece was impossible. When Netflix announced it, yada yada, we know. We we didn't believe you. You needed more people and you got them. Oda had this to say when it came to Netflix's new series sharing his thoughts in the 107th volume of the One Piece manga. The One Piece live action series was unveiled to the whole world and I'm happy that it was very well received. Just a thought, but if Inaki, who played the role of Luffy and the others as well, will be on their way to becoming big Hollywood stars, that would mean that I will become a friend of these big Hollywood stars. Isn't that awesome? Everyone from the cast, please don't forget about me, okay? Well then, I will be drawing in my room as usual let's start volume 107 now that is really cool that Oda's like fanning out like yo I'm about to be with friends with Hollywood people yeah let's go Inaki yo keeping it real if this goes the long distance there's no way they could forget about you because Inaki and you know Emily Rudd shout out to Emily Rudd she's so damn beautiful I'm sorry I gotta let me let me just for a minute throw that out there yo Emily 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 hit me up no on a real though like they're gonna be these characters for the foreseeable future if this thing continues to be a success so yeah i don't think they're gonna forget you oda and if they did who damn cares because at the end of the day you ate your oda homie you a god out in these streets you dig i say that now and then watch the ending of one piece disappoint the whole community and then they like oh we hate you oda just like they did with isayama i i, I can't stand you guys no. <laughs> also in one piece related news and i think this is spoilers so tread lightly if you don't read the one piece manga one piece creator finally reveals jewelry boney's devil fruit one piece has been around for decades now somehow its creator has kept all of his secrets straight from plot twists to backstories Oda has a mind like a vault when it comes to storytelling the creator skills is especially impressive when you realize how many special powers One Piece features and now we are finally learning more about the devil fruit we've seen Jewelry Boney use in the past Oda has shown us Bonnie's power at work but we've never been told what her devil fruit is the artist took a chance to fix his oversight in the latest issue SBS when asked by a fan about the pirate's power Oda admitted he totally forgot to tell fans about her devil fruit and it is called the Toshi Toshi no Mi. I've been asked many times and I noticed and thought to myself, I haven't revealed it yet. It's the Toshi Toshi no Mi, which allows the user to freely alter ages. I feel like there's at least three different Devil Fruit users I've seen have that power. For the sake of those who don't read the SBS, I need to mention this in the main story too. For those curious about the Toshi Toshi no Mi, the name in Japanese has two translations. It could be read as the Age Age Fruit or the year year fruit so obviously the first name fits better after all the devil fruit power can be used on anything from humans to items as for the years stolen by this devil fruit well they turn into the precious gems of which jewelry bony takes her name these days the one piece manga is very invested in bony's story as her tie to kuma has taken center stage we can expect even more info dumps from oda as his manga carries on if you are not caught up with the manga well you can always catch up on the series and you should one piece is great one piece can be read on shonen jump and manga plus and all of that good stuff so yeah oda revealing something pretty significant i would say um in the svs as he's done in the past salute to oda moving forward a little bit of uh i guess trailing off from the entirely anime and manga related stories but i felt that this was significant enough to talk about and that's that apparently an hbo boss has used secret fake accounts to troll tv critics which is insane to think about but casey bloyles ordered staffers to create fake accounts to fire back at critics according to text conversations reviewed by rolling stone as part of a new lawsuit 
June 2020, HBO's then president of original programming, Casey Bloys, needed someone to go on a mission. Bloys, who was named HBO CEO and chairman in October 2022, was irked by a tweet from Vulture TV critic Catherine Von Arendonk, who had some thoughts about Perry Mason, HBO's series starring Matthew Rise as a private detective turned defense attorney in 1930s Los Angeles. The remake of the original 1960s show carved out an origin story for Mason, showing flashes of him serving in World War I, which Von Arendonk felt was weak storytelling. Days before the series aired on the platform, Vaughn seemingly had a screener for review. She subtweeted the series, Dear Prestige TV, please find some way to communicate male trauma besides showing me a flashback to the hero's memories of trench warfare. Bloors was annoyed according to the text messages received by Rolling Stone and sent Vaughn tweets to Kathleen McCaffrey, HBO's senior vice president of drama programming. Maybe a Twitter user should tweet that it's a pretty blith response to what soldiers legitimately go through on the battlefield do you have a secret handle couldn't we say especially given that it's a d-day to dismiss a soldier's experience like that seems pretty disrespectful this must be answered bloys was serious who can go on a mission he asked mccaffrey according to the messages adding that they needed to find a mole at arm's length from the hbo executive team we just need a random to make the point and make her feel bad god damn eventually bloys landed on a rebuttal to vaughn according to the messages a somewhat elitist take is there anything more traumatic for men than fighting in a war sorry if that seems too convenient for you the exchange was one of the least six instances between June 2020 and April 2021 in which Bloys and McCaffrey discussed using what they called a secret army to fire back at several TV critics on Twitter, now known as X, as well as anonymous commenters on articles about HBO programming according to text exchanges. In this case, the two decided not to hit back at Vaughn online, but in numerous instances, the HBO execs did just that, trolling the TV critics with snarky responses from fake Twitter accounts and dropping pro-HBO comments on trade publication stories. Rolling Stone reviewed the metadata associated with the messages and verified their authenticity by linking the sender of the messages to a phone number registered to McCaffrey. What's more, in four of the six cases, the language of the text is an exact match from the language from the anonymous accounts. HBO did not dispute the legitimacy of the messages when approached for comment. In a statement, HBO spokesperson said it would not comment on select exchanges between programmers and errant tweets. Vaughn confirmed she wrote the tweet but declined to comment further. The messages are part of a trove of material being prepared for a previously unreported wrongful termination suit in L.A. Superior Court in July by former HBO staffer Soli Tamori against HBO. McCaffrey, Francesca Orsi, HBO's head of drama, as well as Abel, The Weeknd, Tesfe, and two producers for The Idol. Wait, The Weeknd is a part of this? What the hell? The lawsuit alleges Tamori, who joined HBO in 2015, working as a temp until becoming an executive assistant in 2017, then working on The Idol in August 2021 until he was laid off in October 2021, was harassed and faced retaliation and discrimination after disclosing a mental health diagnosis to his bosses. He was also allegedly asked to perform menial tasks not related to his work duties, such as creating fake online accounts to respond to critics. In a response to Tamori's lawsuit, lawyers for HBO requested a judge dismiss the complaint and said HBO denies each and every allegation. In a statement to Rolling Stone, HBO said it intends to vigorously defend against Mr. Tamori's allegations. We look forward to a full and fair resolution of this dispute. In the meantime, we wish Mr. Tamori, a former HBO employee, well in his future endeavors. Probably never going to get work again. And I can 100%, before we even continue any further, 100% I believe all of this. I've just seen some stuff from people that work at these big apps and whatnot doing very similar stuff like this. So I, I believe this. I'm going to be honest. I believe it. 
When approached for comment about the lawsuit and the messages, Tamori's attorney, Michael Martinez, tells Rolling Stone that the text served as an example of the very petty company culture that eventually turned on his client. First and foremost, I think this is about HBO's culture and how it fosters a dynamic of ongoing harassment and discrimination in the workplace. They joke about people outside of HBO. They joke about people within HBO. You suffer through some bullying until you can't suffer anymore. McCaffrey had come to Tamori to create fake accounts in June 2020, explaining Blois was obsessed with Twitter and always wants to pick a fight on Twitter, according to the messages. He also texts me to find friends to reply. Is there a way to create a dummy account that can't be traced to us doing his bidding? McCaffrey asked before passing off Blois missives to Tamori several more times. And I say that again to say that. Remember the issue I had with somebody from the Netflix situation that sent me a whole bunch of nasty messages about me not liking the One Piece trailer, the first trailer for the One Piece live action. And then mysteriously, I was getting some random comments on a channel that had like no followers or whatnot. And it just looked a little bit fishy. So again, I believe it. Martina says Tamori created a fake Twitter account to comply with his boss's request. And like many young employees starting out on their career, it was very important Sully to not only perform at a high level, but to seek opportunities where he could showcase his acumen and build credibility for the possibility of creating long-term success at HBO and esteem from his higher-ups. In April 2021, the Nevers premiered and became a sore spot for Blois after critics largely panned the Joss Whedon steampunk fantasy series. This time, the target of Blois' ear was Rolling Stone's chief TV critic, Alan Spenewall, for his two and a half star rating. Cassie is looking for a tweeter. He's mad at Alan S- Seppenwall. McCaffrey texted Tamori referring to Blois. Can our secret operative please tweet at Alan's review? Alan is always predictably safe and scared in his opinions. And then we have to delete this chain, right? Oh my God, I just got scared, LOL. That day, a newly created account under the name of Kelly Shefford, a self-described Texas mom and herbalist, replied to Seppenwall's tweets about his review, repeating the sentiment McCaffrey expressed. And yeah, some white woman, a fake white woman account or whatnot, Kelly uh, Shepard. When New York Times TV critic James Pony Wozik tweeted that the Nevers feels like watching a show that someone has mysteriously deleted 25% of the scenes from, Blois sent the tweet to McCaffrey according to the messages, maybe our friend needs to say what a shock it is that two middle-aged white men are shitting on a show about women. I fucking hate these people, yes. The Kelly Shepard account then tweeted to Pony Wozik, writing, How shocking that two middle-aged white men, you and Hall, are shitting on a show about women. Haley declined to comment. Pony Wozik did not return a request for comment. And again, some of the string of messages are there. McAfee hit up Tamori a few days later again. And yeah, there's just a lot. I'm not going to read all of this and whatnot. But it's clear as day that there has been some fishy stuff going on. And then to boot at the very end of all of this, apparently, allegedly, HBO boss Casey Bloys admitted and apologizing for using fake accounts to fire back at those who make negative comments about HBO shows. I was working from home and doing an unhealthy amount of scrolling through Twitter, and I came up with a very dumb idea to vent my frustrations. And again, not only did this person admit it, like I said, I believe it. I had my encounters with these type of people whatnot seems like they have very very thin skin as far as like taking criticism like yo me as a content creator i've been doing this for 13 years you don't think i've gotten mad mad clapbacks and whatnot so i completely understand the people like coming at you and you feeling a type of way but at the end of the day dog y'all like hbo big exec chairs who gives a shit you know at the end of the day you gotta just keep it pushing so 
a little bit wild to say the least, but hey, that's where it stands with HBO. And uh, if you want to read the full article, you could go check that out. Moving forward, we spoke about Studio Mappa earlier when it came to the Attack on Titan situation. Well, apparently, Studio Mappa's execs have spoken out recently regarding the studio's cram schedule. And yeah, it's about time they addressed it because, I mean, the allegations are all over the place. But it says here, Studio Mappa exec sparks debate after detailing the studio's crammed schedule. These days, the anime industry is more competitive than ever, and it takes a lot for studios to stand out. Brands like Kyoto Animation have made a name with their gorgeous graphics, while giants like Toei Animation have decades of work to bolster their future. For newer studios, they have found success with upcoming hits, though some suggest their zeal comes at the price of the animators. This issue has become a hot topic when people discuss the recent rise of MAPPA Studios, and now the company CEO has addressed the situation in a new interview. The conversation comes from Natalie as Manabu Otsuka spoke with the publication about the work MAPPA has done. It was there the executive praised the company's titles from Jujutsu Kaisen to in this corner of the world and when asked about building the studio's brand identity Otsuka had the following to say about turning MAPPA into a household name when we thought about what we need to do to achieve success the first thing we needed to do was increase productivity it is difficult to catch up to a level of quality of Kyoto animation and ufotable in a short period of time it would be too late for MAPPA a backward looking studio to spend 20 to 30 years trying to reach that point so we had to take a different approach from the studios that were were already ahead of us we thought how we could produce a lot and gain experience while maintaining a high level of quality while at the same time branding the studio to join the race with the industry's top studios in the least amount of time possible we'll just turn all the workers into slaves as you can see this explanation from Oscar gives insight into why mappa is moving so quickly it has become a joke within the anime fandom that any new hit series will be animated by mappa after all the studios taken on everything from attack on titan to chainsaw man and vinland saga it would put things lightly to say the company has had its hands full and the schedule has made MAPPA well known by fans. But as of late, its notoriety has been backfiring. For instance, Jujutsu Kaisen drew headlines after some season 2 crew members broke their silence on the show's hellish production schedule. From animators to episode directors, the workload put on MAPPA employees is intense and there is little relief in sight. Their work is all being done to make Otsuka's earlier comment a reality, but some fans wonder if the sacrifice is worth it in the end. And as the anime industry continues to grow, this kind of pressurized situation is poised to become more and more common. And yeah, I pretty much broke this down earlier, but essentially MAPPA you can't turn your workers into slaves like it's clear as day and it's sad that like yo he literally just broke it down why he's doing that like they want to keep up with the joneses so to speak they were like yo how do we keep up with kyoto animation how do we keep up with production ig how do we keep up with all of the big dogs well we'll get a whole bunch of workers we'll buy a building and make them motherfucker live there and they'll become our slaves and they'll make our manga and all of that good stuff during you know the probably the worst points of their life but at the very least profit margins will be up and yeah, we'll have big, big stuff, but at the cost of these guys' lives. How many people are you going to be able to sucker into this situation before people are like, yo, I'm good. I'm good. If work at studio, I'm good. Uh, laugh it up now. You know, you think like, yeah, we caught up to you, Photoboy, and all of them differences that can you maintain this when you are literally putting the people that are creating this into the a living nightmare. So I'm not, I'm not a fan of hearing that, that like, yo, we want to keep up with the Joneses, so we made slavery. Like, huh? And speaking of studios, apparently Studio Trigger's execs broke down anime's biggest 
problem. Studio Trigger has made a name for itself, creating some of the most beloved energetic anime series and movies in the history of the medium. Anime series such as Kill la Kill, Gurren Lagann, and Cyberpunk Edgerunners garnered wide acclaim in the anime community, along with Trigger's films in Promare and Little Witch Academia. During an anime event in Japan, Trigger executive Kazuya Masumoto took the chance to talk about the biggest problems that are currently facing the anime industry and what has changed for the better in the present. While there have been quite a few discussions regarding how the anime industry is in trouble on social media, Masumoto took the opportunity at the event, Machi Asobi, to state the opposite. Even in the past two to three years, Masumoto has seen a big shift when it comes to the industry, stating that Trigger has seen a push for additional human resources in its company to make sure that employees were treated fairly. This feels like so much shade at Studio Mappa and trying to save their own bacon at the same time if they have been on the boom, you know what I'm saying? Trigger has also taken the opportunity to visit visit vocational schools and institutions in an attempt to placate potential animators and anime industry workers when it comes to the fears they may have regarding entering the industry. Like, nah, all that stuff about these guys being slaves is bull, man. They're happy to be killing themselves to make your cartoons. Don't believe the hype. Kazuya stated during his discussion that around 10 years ago, the anime industry had serious problems when it came to working hours, wages, and general employment. It still does. This stemmed, according to the executive, from a lacking of funds for projects as he touted the factoid that a typically 30-minute anime episode would cost around $100,000 in today's market, the Trigger executive states that production costs will typically be double that, and for more popular anime, it could even be triple or quadruple. While Masumoto is happy to see the shift, he does state that even this is not enough. Masumoto stated that thanks to anime's popularity around the world, producers like Netflix have allowed anime to become a bigger business and thus gain more resources for employees. There are still many problems that are being reported in the anime industry to this day, but according to Kazuya, things are moving in a positive direction thanks in part to worldwide recognition and love for the medium. And I'm gonna be honest with you, maybe things might be a little bit different at Studio Trigger or whatnot, but maybe things have gotten like 0.001% better in certain parts of the anime industry but we're hearing people screaming they got us with our beds at our desks drawing this is how like no dog no like we we ain't gonna play around like no things are great again maybe studio trigger has their own situation to try to make sure like you know this is great pr like yo you tired of being a slave you know chained up to your desk and drawing uh, your anime or whatnot all you animators out there come to studio trigger you know what i'm saying you don't want the execs dancing and all the shit okay let me stop (laughs) But yeah, that's the situation Studio Trigger trying to do some positive PR. Why not? Moving forward, apparently an Adult Swim exec teased new shows coming to Cartoon Network's Classics Block. I think it's called The Checkered Past, if I'm not mistaken, which has been shown to be a success thus far. Adult Swim surprised fans earlier this year with its new Checkered Past programming block that brought back a few Cartoon Network classic shows to broadcast TV for the first time in a while. And one of the minds behind the block teases that we could see new shows added to the block in the future. Checkered Past kicked off its run earlier this year as part of the expansion of Adult Swim within Cartoon Network's programming. Expanding the block with two new hours, Checkered Past offers reruns of four classic Cartoon Network shows that fans haven't seen on TV in a while. Checker Pass currently includes Dexter's Lab, Ed Ed, and Eddie, Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, and Courage the Cowardly Dog, but when asked about whether or not the success of its block could lead to more shows during New York Comic Con, Adult Swim president Michael O'Willian gave a positive answer that teases more shows potentially being added to the lineup. When asked about whether or not new shows would come, Adult Swim president noted that while the plan is to stick with the four current shows for now, it could change. It's just that they are approaching potential changes to the block 
back slowly. Thank you for watching. We're sticking with these four for right now. But as you know, as many we could do, but we're going to go slowly. There's lots of reasons, but don't worry. Keep watching. And if people keep watching, we'll have to add more shows. So thank you. It seems like Checker Pass is an experiment that Cartoon Network and Adult Swim are testing out as a result of the recent 30th anniversary celebration. And it could feature a different lineup if fans continue to work and prove the block a success. The lots of reasons mentioned here could range from legal, availability, to even broadcast troubles as well. But the answer to show more shows wasn't a full no. Why would it be? They have a huge catalog of classics that people love. They probably don't want to do a massive burnout. They're like, yo, let's do some syndication of these four shows. Okay, it's working. The block is doing great. Let's be steady with it for right now. The second they see maybe a little dip of like, you know, one of these shows, they'll be like, all right, let's try. Or if it's just such a raging success, they'll be like, Okay, yeah, we got to expand this. The same way they did with Toonami back where it started off as an April Fool's joke when they were returning back in like 2011, I think it was, 2012. Um, it started off as an April Fool's joke. People were screaming how amazing it was to have it back. They brought it back. So if enough noise is made, they'll add more and all of that good stuff. Although most of these shows you could watch or they've been streaming on like Boomerang for like ever or whatnot. Just throwing that in there and speaking of adult swim apparently demon slayer's mugen train arc and dr stone new world part 2 are both set to run on toonami adult swim's toonami programming block announced on saturday that it will run the two-part premiere of demon slayer's kimetsu no yaiba mugen train arc anime november 11th at 12 a.m est effectively november 12th toonami will also start running the second cores of dr stone's new world the third dr stone anime season on november 11th at 1 a.m other anime on toonami's november November 11th lineup include One Piece, which is at 1.30, Naruto Shippuden, which runs at 2 a.m., and the Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba Mugen Train arc is a seven-episode arc that adapts the Mugen Train film and, of course, premiered in October 2021, and yeah, watch it, I guess. I don't freaking know. Like, when I hear stuff like this, I just think, like, yeah, you know, you could go and watch all of that right now. <laughs> There's like a million ways, but shout out to people that still rock with cable. I ain't trying to dunk on ya. Uh, and the first quarters of Dr. Stone's New World anime premiered in Japan on April 6th and ended with its 11th episode. Crunchyroll streamed the anime as it aired in Japan, and the anime began streaming on Toonami June 3rd. The anime's second core premiered in Japan October 12th, and Crunchyroll screened its U.S. premiere at this year's New York Comic Con event at the same date. But hey, if you're a Toonami fan, you're about to have some demons Slayer and Dr. Stone, so that's a pretty big win. And Demon Slayer is planning a big anime update. Another piece of news for you. Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba kept its head down since season 3 ended, but the break was never going to go for long. The team at Ufoto are working hard on the anime's next installment, after all. Now it seems the world is about to get an update on what's to come for Demon Slayer, and the anime teaser is set to go live in just over a month. The information comes straight from the Demon Slayer team as the crew posted a note on social media. It was there, fans were informed, the TV anime plans on releasing its promo reel 20 2024 in due time the mysterious clip will be released on december 10th and it promises to showcase the anime's upcoming projects of course you can imagine how excited fans are for the teaser demon slayer already confirmed this tv anime is continuing and season four will be a big one in the wake of the swordsmith village arc it is now time for tanjiro to begin his hashira training this means the hashira training arc will go live next year so hopefully this upcoming promo will give us a taste of its action
So yeah, looking forward to more Demon Slayer. Moving forward, we got an update for the upcoming new anime for Blue Exorcist. Blue Exorcist Shimani Illuminati Saga trailer has been released. Blue Exorcist is returning for season 3 of the anime next year. And fans gotten a new look at what to expect with a new trailer for the Shimani Illuminati Saga. Blue Exorcist Shimani Illuminati. It will be a brand new anime series making its premiere in 2024. Which I think is just continuing on from where it left off. But it's going to be jumping ahead from where the anime's second season came to an end since that season ended up featuring its own material different from what came in the manga did that do that too did season two also go straight away? why are they doing didn't season two retcon the initial ending of season one because it went into like a filler ending and they did that again and now what they're gonna have to oh god i ain't gonna lie the blue exes anime is one of the most gorgeous beautiful sounding beautiful looking has some of the great source material in it but major disappointments on deviating from the manga like i didn't even know that the second season deviates from the manga as well that is one of the stupidest choices at some given point 20 years 30 years down the road they're gonna have to reboot this whole thing and give it a proper adaptation because what is that is so stupid i had no idea that they did that with the second season as well and yeah apparently this next season is planning to move beyond some of that season's fallout uh, Blue X's Shimani Illuminati Saga is going to be a third round of the anime series taking on volumes 10 through 15 of the original manga for its adaptation but it's yet to be revealed whether or not it will be going its own original route once more it will likely be featuring a returning voice cast however a new opening theme titled Eyes Century as performed by Uberworld shoutouts to Uberworld one of the best out there you can check it out there's a trailer uh, Blue X's Shimani Illuminati Saga will be premiering in Japan sometime in January 2024 and will be directed by Daisuke Yoshida for Studio Voln. The anime will feature a returning voice cast from the two seasons of the anime and will have Toshia Ono handling the series composition, Yuri Daito handling the character designs, and Kota Yamamoto and Hiroyuki Sawano composing the music. With this next anime jumping ahead a few arcs, fans are likely going to have some questions. The Shimani Illuminati arc is actually the sixth major arc from the Blue Exorcist manga coming a bit after the events of the Kyoto Impure King arc, which the second season of the anime tackles loosely and runs from chapters 50 through 64 and if i'm not mistaken i'm pretty sure i remember a friend of mine reading he was caught up with the blue exorcist manga we're talking about like five or six years ago and i remember distinctly him saying that this portion of the manga focuses in on shorty with the big thick eyebrows i forget her name but i think that that's what this season of the anime is going to primarily focus on until it seemingly goes inevitably in an anime only direction similar to seasons one and two i again i, I can't stress how stupid but that is and i never knew that it did that in season two as well like oh moving forward ghost in the shell creator reveals his main inspiration in a rare interview ghost in the shell has become a legendary property in the anime world with its original anime movie hitting theaters in 1995 the franchise has garnered tv series movies comics live action and more in a recent rare interview the creator of the series masamune shiro talked about the inspirations for the futuristic world and what other anime helped to forge major motoko kusanagi's journey in the recent interview masamune shiro discussed the inspirations for ghost in the shell in the winter of 1970 an idle observation computer game called life game or a type of automatic drawing art was introduced in the world later inspired by this i created the framework of the story worldview in the early 1980s story worldview refers to masamune shido's world that continues from black magic and orion there are many works that have not yet been published in 1985 he published a manga called Appleseed. wait a minute the dude that did ghost in the shell made Appleseed? i never knew that and with the help of various connections he was able to begin publishing overseas mainly in english-speaking countries in this work the story already includes various full-body armored 
Android cyborgs, partially mechanized people, wide area surveillance networks by artificial satellites and public security, people with mechanically enhanced brains, two-way simultaneous communication, digital and analog methods, hacking, etc. have appeared, and these are not elements that were started from Ghost in the Shell. Shiro then expanded upon the creation of the now legendary anime franchise. It's about going back in time from Appleseed and seeing what things were like 100 years ago, so I had some idea of what it would be like. However, to this day, I have never submitted anything to a magazine in order to a manga artist, nor have I received any medals or crowns in this field. It's obvious now, but back then, from the perspective of the publishing world, doujinshi didn't exist, so there was no flow from doujinshi to magazines. Where are we going with this? Given the situation, I couldn't just suddenly turn it into a magazine, so I created two short stories and delivered them to Mr. Y at his request it's a lighter version of ghost in the shell with some of the charm elements female protagonists etc removed and a bit more subdued the design for ghost in the shell has been completed before that short story and since it coincided with the production of other works at the time it would be difficult to serialize it in a weekly magazine i also asked for it sorry those were gun dancing and pile up which were published in the extra edition of young magazine pirated edition we had prepared several projects that had the same story and worldview for ghost in the shell but we submitted the one that takes place in japan and is set in a similar the time period as ghost in the shell ghost in the shell was the original title of ghost in the shell this is because i thought it would be more versatile and compatible with other projects i had and homie sounds deep i don't know i just feel like homie is like a deep dude i'm just saying pause by the way moving forward we got a jojo's bizarre adventure announcement regarding its first ever exhibit at anime nyc i would love to see this jojo's bizarre adventure has been a major player in the anime world for decades with creator hirohiko araki stating in the past that he would love nothing more than to work on the joestar story forever with his well there's rumors homie is a vampire so he might be able to now <laughs> the jojo lands introducing a new pair of joestars to lead the series there is plenty to celebrate in the stanfield series at this year's anime NYC event taking place in the Big Apple later this month, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure got an exhibit that'll hit North America for the first time. The last time we saw Joe Stars in an anime adaptation was Stone Ocean, focusing on the daughter, which I ain't gonna lie, I feel so guilty that I've never finished the anime of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Part 6, the Jolene version, and I loved it. I don't know what the hell happened. Like, I think I got maybe five episodes to go. Like, finish this thing, Tim. Damn you. By the way, I'm talking to my future self, so future self, if you're seeing this, go watch that JoJo's and finish it. You're you're disgracing our good name. Placing the latest anime, Joestar, in a maximum security prison, the latest anime entry was one of the most mind-bending of the series to date. While JoJo's remains a wildly popular anime franchise, David Production yet to confirm if the anime will continue. It will. Should a new season be confirmed, it will most likely follow the plot of Steel Bowl Run, the arc that followed Jolene's adventure and featured a horse race across North America that was fit to bursting with wild stand battles and it's not about jolene and yeah i think that's when the manga actually like they did a big reboot and it became a seinen series so yeah i'm looking out for that uh jojo's world at anime nyc will take place during the convention itself from november 17th to the 19th the special exhibit already appeared in japan and will be bringing its events and merchandise to north america for the first time the exhibit focuses on the joe stars and they've already made appearance in the anime and yeah it sounds dope there's gifts photo spots got upon try your luck with the jojo world World, merchandise, all sorts of good stuff. And yeah, it sounds like it'd be fun to be honest with you. Moving forward, something in the world of Yu Yu Hagashou I just wanted to show you guys.
guys. I'm not sure if we covered this or not, but there was a poster released fairly recently uh, showcasing the actors in character for the Yu Yu Hakusho live action. And I'm just going to say it straight up and down. I am still definitely going to watch this and I'm still going to keep an open mind for this because Yu Yu Hakusho is one of my all-time favorite anime, probably is my favorite anime, period, bar none. Um, but the live action posters, similar to the first time I saw the One Piece live action, which kind of gives me hope that I don't want to completely judge, you know, off a cover, judge the book by its cover or whatnot. But the way the actors look right now, it's downright horrendous for me personally as a hardcore Yu Yu Hakusho fan. The actor playing Kuwabara doesn't look like Kuwabara. He looks like Kisaki from Tokyo Revengers minus his glasses. It doesn't look like Kuwabara. Homie playing Kurama looks like he's wearing his mama wig. Dis disappointed. Yusuke is the only one that I'm like, I right, maybe, maybe. Kind of looks a little bit. I don't know. He's giving me like Eric Estrada, but like a younger version of some shit. But he looks aight. And then homie playing Hie is like, what are you doing, dog? It looks like Elvis with an underwear on his on his head. Like, what are we doing, homie? Like, what is this? So I just wanted to say that as it stands right now, Yu Yu Hakusho live action is not looking promising. I, I still have hopes for it because, again, I felt the same way about the One Piece live action. And One Piece live action turned out to be pretty damn good. So you never know. But it's being handled by a different staff. It's being handled by, I, be, I believe it's being handled in Japan. I'm going to go into this one with an open mind, but expectations right now i don't know fam it's looking musty i'm gonna say <laughs> oh god imagine that's the rating for you show i rate the you show live action a musty out of 10 <laughs> But on to something else. We got Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2 highlighting Sukuna in a new Shibuya Incident Arc poster. Are you ready for more Jujutsu Kaisen? Well, Sukuna is going to be taking center stage once more because today marked the reveal of the latest Jujutsu Kaisen poster and it got fans going nuts for some Sukuna. As you can see, the desolate poster showcases iconic Shibuya crossing, but it is devoid of any civilians. The only human in sight is Sukuna and well... It would be disingenuous to call him a human. <laughs> the figure is the king of curses and his last link to humanity rests in his ties to Yuji. The poster shows Sukuna in his traditional outfit as Yuji's body is donning a white black robe. Complete with a scarf of sorts, Sukuna has taken over Yuji in this shot. As you can imagine, this kind of possession doesn't bode well for our heroes. With Gojo out of pocket, there's no one around who can step to Sukuna's might and there is no telling how Yuji will fare in holding the king of curses back. And I ain't gonna lie, this poster is very ominous. It's like, yo, the entire streets is completely empty and it's just Sukuna walking with like, it looks like blood under his feet or something. Like he's walking a bloody trail. This is going to be hype. I need to get back on Jujutsu Kaisen. I am so behind on the anime right now. I'm on season two, but very early. Uh, I need to get into it. Moving forward, quick update for Solo Leveling's anime. Solo Leveling anime early premiere has been announced. Solo Leveling anime has announced it will be hosting a worldwide early premiere event for the first two episodes of the anime. Details for these events and how to potentially attend will be revealed at a later date, but these special premieres will be taking place in Tokyo and Seoul on December 10th and will be making its way to LA on December 14th according to the latest trailer drop for Solo Leveling's big anime debut. Directed by Shunsuke Nagashige at A1 Pictures with Nobura Kimura serving as head writer, Tomoko Sudo as character designer, and Hiroyuki Sabano composing the music. That music is finna be fire! Solo Leveling is currently scheduled for release in Japan as part of the winter 2024 schedule. That's gonna be big. Crunchyroll will be streaming the anime as soon as it launches. Hopefully, despite Crunchyroll's partaking of this anime, it doesn't have the same problems as like the God of High School and 
Tower of God, even though I kind of like Tower of God, but those anime uh, from manhwa adaptations were not it, fam. Not the way they're supposed to be. But it is yet to confirm a concrete release date as of the time of the writing. As for what to expect from Soul Leveling's anime, Crunchyroll teases as follows. It's been over a decade since the appearance of the gates, the paths that connect our world with a different dimension. Since then, certain humans have awakened to supernatural powers. We call these individuals hunters. Hunters make their living by using their powers to conquer dungeons inside the gates. In this world of tough customers, the low-ranked hunter Jin Woo Sung is known as the weakest hunter of all of mankind. One day, Jin Woo gets fatally injured when he runs into high-rank double dungeons hidden within a low-rank dungeon. Just then, a mysterious quest window appears in front of him. On the verge of death, Jin Woo decides to accept the quest and starts leveling up, while the others aren't so look out for solo leveling because it's going to be a pretty big one at the very least it'll either be a big disappointment or a big success nothing in the middle moving forward apparently kagurabachi you know one of the latest manga and weekly shonen jump that has been blowing up and has surpassed the majority of shonen jump manga and readership well they got a shout out from the government of singapore what there are a few things we love more than wild anime crossovers. In the past decade, the anime industry has explored tons of new territory as it has grown globally. These days, a number of hit manga have joined those ranks of graphic novel sales going up across the world. And now it seems Kagurabachi has become so big that it nabbed the eyes of the Singapore government. Yes, we're totally serious. The whole thing popped up online not too long ago. Over on Facebook, Singapore locals were surprised when its Ministry of Sustainability and the Environment posted a PSA that riffs off Kagurabachi. Official Singaporean government ministry references Kagurabachi in a social media post. Our battles against waste will be hard fought, the tribute read. There are several ways to join the right, like arming yourself with a reusable bag the next time you go grocery shopping. Check here for more ways you can combat waste. The post itself features a fan art of a man grocery shopping, but he then has been modeled after Kagurabachi's lead. Chihiro has inspired the Singapore shopper to use his leak like an enchanted blade. And to be honest... We're totally upset. Well, I don't know if I'm totally obsessed. That sounds cool, though. You might think this fan art is nothing more than a coincidence, but you would be wrong. The Singaporean office even included a Kagurabachi hashtag to credit the Shonen Jump series. So even though it has less than 10 chapters to its name, the series is already making major waves globally. If you haven't checked out Kagurabachi, you may want to give it a go. It might be next up. And yeah, that's crazy, though. We're in a different time. Back in the day, you needed to have like a huge anime. You needed to be popping, popping to get something like that to happen. Now... Kagurabachi with less than 10 is being memed around the world and being mentioned by freaking Singapore government. What the hell? Moving forward, we got a quick update for apparently a Tokyo Ghoul crossover with Dragon Ball has been announced in the form of I believe Suishida is the next up to be doing a crossover look for a crossover piece of art because the creator of Tokyo Ghoul is going to be doing one of those collaboration projects where he draws one of the covers of the Dragon Ball manga in honor of the upcoming 40th anniversary of Dragon Ball. And it says here Dragon Ball Super Gallery Project has united some of the heaviest hitters in the manga world to take a swing at the Z Fighters. We recently had Giga Akutami doing it. And now next is Suishida, the creator of Tokyo Ghoul, who will be taking on the task. It says here, Tokyo Ghoul hasn't shown any signs of making a comeback despite the popularity surrounding Ken Kaneki. Yeah, it probably will if Suishida really wants that bag bag at some given point. So yeah, looking forward to seeing what he does because Mans is an incredible artist. He's one of the best. Moving forward, just a quick update on that whole collaboration we spoke about probably a year ago now between My Hero, well, maybe a year ago or six months, I don't know, somewhere in that ballpark, between My Hero and NBA doing a collaboration. Are you ready to level up your wardrobe? As you can see here, the team at Crunchyroll released an NBA x My Hero x Hyperfly. I thought that said Spotify for a second. Starting at $64, you can find the range of shirts shouting out All Might and your favorite basketball team. So you want merchandise for the Chicago Bulls or Golden State Warriors? No sweat. 
Right now, a number of shirts have sold out, but restocks are coming soon. For instance, the LA shirts are currently sold out, so fans better keep an eye out. And basically, yeah, this collab is live now if you want to get some NBA X My Hero Academia crossover gear. Why not? Then, in light of Halloween, a lot of celebrities and famous people did some cosplays and costumes. For me, I did Rick and Morty. I did Rick from Rick and Morty. That was what I decided. Although, for Comic-Con, I was Max Powers from the Max Powers webcomic. I, I was a few different costumes this year, but we got a few different people. For starters, we got the ever so voluptuous, beautiful queen. Meg the Stallion, uh, she took to, I think it was her Instagram and her social medias in general, to do a cosplay of Death the Kid from Soul Eater, and I'm not even gonna lie, she killed it, but at the same time, I was like, yo, dog, you, you, you could have pulled off a very, very beautiful Nami. I'm just saying, as a man, I would have loved to see her pull like a Nami or a Nojiko from the One Piece live action. F- oh my God. Oh, I don't know if my heart could contain it from seeing her like that. But yeah, she did a really dope soul leader. Shout outs to Meg Thee Stallion. Always, I ain't gonna lie, I saw a clip the other day of her dancing to uh, Yu Yu Hakusho's Smile Bomb opening. I almost lost it. I was like, oh my God, she really is just like me. Shout outs to Meg Thee Stallion. If you ever want to hit my line, you want to do something finesse. Is here for, well, Tim is here for you. Definitely would love to do a musical collaboration. I'm just saying, yo, I can spit. I could spit. And we also had cosplays from people in the UFC. Uh, UFC star Max Holloway suited up as Chainsaw Man for Halloween. And it looks like Max Holloway also did. I thought this was a different person. But he also did like a family tribute to Tokyo Revengers with his family. And I gotta lie, it looks awesome. Although, Kiddo in the middle looks like he really didn't want to do this. And his pops was like, we're doing this shit. Salute to Max Holloway. Because I ain't gonna lie. I am like, yo, kiddos, get over here. Even though my kids, they all love anime. Well, most of them love anime. So it's like not really that I gotta drag them. It's like, yeah, let's all do it. But shout outs to, they, they just look incredible. Wifey holding it down. It looks awesome. And then we just got a, a assortment of different stories that I wanted to cover very briefly. We got a Doug sequel series in the works. Doug and Patty Mayonnaise will have kids. I'm looking forward to that, how that's going to be handled. Shout outs to Patty Mayonnaise and Doug. Uh, then we got the Japanese animation TV rankings that, let me know if you want to see me cover this more. Uh, here it is on the screen. These were the most watched anime of the week based Based on the surveys that are put forth out there in Japan. And of course the little kitty anime are always at the top. Seizai-san, Chibi Maruka-chan. But then Detective Conan. Uh, which we used to cover these back in the day. So if you want to see these return. Definitely drop me a comment. Just put I want more of the anime TV ranking stories. But we got Detective Conan with a 5.3. One Piece at 3.5. I remember the days when One Piece would slaughter everything. That's crazy. Uh, Doraemon on there. What else? Is there anything free? Oh Wow. So So No Free Aaron is on there with a three point. That's huge. Shout out to So So No Free Aaron. That's one of the anime I'm watching this season. Uh, we got Procure on there, Shin Chan on there. But yeah, salute to Conan, One Piece, and So So No Free Aaron. Big, big wins right there. Then apparently Blue Lock is on break this week in Weekly Shonen Magazine due to Nomura getting ill. Manga will be back in issue number 49. Very tough to hear, but homie been killing it, so get your rest. Uh, then we got screen slash voice actor Junya Ikeda arrested for a Alleged fraud. The talent agency Bottle announced the cancellation of screen and voice actor Junya Ikeda's contract on Monday after being informed the actor had been arrested for participating in special fraud. The agency added that the staff had not been able to directly talk to Ikeda regarding the incident as he is currently prohibited from meeting with other people. His roles included Joe Kido in Digimon Last Evolution Kizuna and the six Digimon Tri movies. He's also voiced Mitsuru Tenma 
in Ensemble Stars and Ataru Suruga in the Majestic Prince series and Majestic Prince Genetic Awakening anime. His recent roles include Million Knives in the Trigun Stampede. Damn, he was in Trigun Stampede. And Oz in the third episode of the Kingdoms of Ruin anime. On screen, he played Gokai Silver in the Kaizoku Sentai. Damn, this dude has just been in a lot of shit. It's over for me. It's a wrap, bro. My God. And then we also got that apparently Noragami, which has been going on for quite some time, by Adachi Toka will end with chapter 109, releasing January 6, 2024. It'll be a 45-page chapter with colored pages. So salute to Noragami. Been going on for a while. One of my nieces is a huge Noragami fan. Uh, then we got that Megumi Hayashibara has stepped down as the voice of Hello Kitty after 30 years. She announced it on her blog. That's kind of crazy. I know maybe not the most <laughs> you know appealing story to my audience. But yeah, Hello Kitty's voice actor stepped down after 33 years. Uh, then we got Oshino Ko by Akas- Akasaka and Yoko Yari Mengo. It's reached 15 million copies in circulation with 13 volumes. I mean, if you watch my segment, which you should be watching every week, the top 50 best selling manga of the week, you would know that Oshino Ko sells big. Then we got Weekly Shonen Jump has launched the explanation slash consultation meeting to help artists from different publishers looking to launch in the magazine. They will meet with mangaka such as Koji Miura, author of Blue Box, Boichi, author or I'm sorry, artist, I believe, of Dr. Stone, the Mizu Posca, I believe that's the artist of The Promised Neverland, and Taishi Sutsui. I'm not sure who's that. These meetings will deepen on how to prepare for a series at the magazine after having a previous experience with a different company. So so this seems like they're poaching other magazine artists. Interesting. Then we got an update. The Elusive Samurai by Yusei Matsui, author of Assassination Classroom, has reached 2 million copies in circulation with 13 volumes. Maybe an anime will boost those numbers. Sakamoto Days by Yuto Suzuki has reached 4 million in circulation with 14 volumes. No anime yet. Interested what the anime will do for it. Then we got Spy Family Code White movie's new key visual. The original film will premiere December 22nd, 2023. That would have been fire if it was in North America on that as well. Like imagine going for Christmas or Christmas Eve with your family to watch the new Spy Family movie. That'd be phenomenal. And that's all we have for the various assortment of different stories. Let's slow this bad boy down with the weekly Shonen Jump author comments. We start off with Jujutsu Kaisen's Gege Akutami. The anime version illustration done by Ninuma-san from Switch was super cool. Kill Blue, Taratoshi Fujimaki. The Akashi Ume pickled plum I got as part of a Kuroko merch sample was super sour. Loved it. Yo, that Kuroko still paying off for homie. Uh, Mama Yuyu, Yoshihiko Hayashi. Why is the sky blue? As a kid, I said it was because that was the prettiest color. Maybe there's water up there. Who knows? We got Mia Roboko Shuhe Miyazaki. The Oza Shogi match. I'm so impressed with Nagase-san's incredible hard work and focus. I'll keep rooting for him. Blue Box is Koji Miura. My cat's winter coat has come in and she's so fluffy and soft and smooth and fluffy and fluffy. Okay, <laughs> you really love your cat, homie. Uh, we got One Piece Eichiro Oda. It's Bashauma. I learned a technique for grilling chicken skin into a crust. The flavor is the best. That sounds good. Sakamoto Days Yuto Suzuki. I can't help but do the pause challenges on YouTube Shorts. I always fail. What do you mean the pause challenge? Like, if somebody says something sus, you just start screaming out, pause! Two on Ice by Elk Itsumo. I went to Carnival on Ice, seen the Riku Ryu pair for the first time in half a year, and then seeing Miss Saigon was amazing. Akane Banashi's Takamasa Moe. I fall asleep watching videos with commentary about dinosaurs. Spinosaurus sure changed. 
Sure, buddy. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That sounded so just nonchalant. Shout outs to homie uh, Akane Banashi. He's pretty awesome. We got Mission Yozakura Family's Hitsuji Gandaira. Watching The Godfather always makes me want to eat a cannoli. No bullets or poison, please. Right on. Then we got Kohei Horikoshi, author of My Hero Academia. I met my old editor for the first time in forever. I was so happy. I'm glad he's doing so well. Bring him back. Maybe it'll help the manga pick up a little bit. <laughs> we got Kagura Bachi's Takeru Hokazono. After finishing my chapter, I stuffed my mouth with super sweet potato crepe. It's full. I've never, is it crepe? Creepy? Crepe? I never know how to say that word. But shout outs to homie. Like, Kagura Bachi ain't going nowhere. The Elusive Samurai Yusei Matsui. I've been playing a lot of Mahjong Soul. I'm getting pretty good, so I think I've graduated from the beginner level. We got New As Exorcist Kota Kawai. When I get some sun, I do feel better, but it makes it harder to stay awake at night. Really? Witch Watch, Kenta Shinohara. What, what freaking type of alien you are? The sun makes it harder to go to. What? Thank you to everyone who came to the Shibuya pop-up shop. The next one is in Osaka. Undead Unlux Yoshifumi Tezuka. The Kimberly users I've been following are Score, Oniki, and Inui Dono. And Subaru Ozara has been added to the list. Shout out to Undead Unlux Anime. Doing great. Man, that anime is awesome. You should be watching. Uh, Cypher Academy, Nisio Eason. Thanks to everyone who participated in the Cypher Academy practice exam. Much appreciated. Uh, Marshall Master Asumi Kawada. I got an upset stomach. Thank goodness it settled after a day. I shouldn't have eaten that shiny thing. Right on. Ichinose Family Deadly Sin Sides and Five. Thank you to everyone who helps me out. Please enjoy chapter 47. It's almost done. I, I'm going to read that bad boy. I got it. And I hope it gets an anime adaptation. It deserves it. And last but not least, Icehead Gill equal Hachia. I'm pretty sure this is going to get canceled any week now. Someone started talking to me and I meant to take out my earphones but remove my glasses instead. I froze and tried to play it off with a serious face. <laughs> That's funny as shit. Salute to homie because I don't want homie to get canceled but it just it's looking that way. And let's close this bad boy off with the top 50 best selling manga of the week courtesy of Joe's underscore K. Let's get to it. We got 53. 41 let's start this bad boy off we got mf ghost the spinoff to initial d volume 18 in 18 days 84k very good sales we got at 46 jujutsu kaisen volume 22 in 234 days 1.6 mil great great stuff there boom 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 what the hell is that at uh, 41 uragirareta s rank bokensha no orewa volume 8 in 4 days 13k whoever that is i need to see that character uh but we got places 40 through 31 uh let's see here out i've never has i heard of out uh, volume 25 in 4 days, 13K. Gachi Aquita, Volume 8 in 6 days, 13.5K. That shit should be selling more. I've read a little bit of it and it was pretty dope. And there seems to be a big fandom behind it. I'm not sure why. Maybe it needs that anime to really blow up. Because it's a pretty dope series. Uh, Social No Fair in Volume 9 with 417K. This uh, or in total. Volume 8 with 425K. I'm not going to be saying every stat for, you know, if there's like 50 volumes of a manga. I'm not going to be... I'll just give you guys, you know, in 221 days, volume 10 of Sosa No Fairin is at 383. Volume 7 is at 461. And 500, yeah, these are volumes that have been sitting there for a hot minute. And now that anime is doing wonders, as you've seen earlier in the stories that, yeah, it is doing top 10 anime best watching or most watched of the week type of stuff. It's it's a big deal. And we got places 30 through 21. Again, we got more in Social No Fair in Volume 5 and 6 with 488 and 585 total thus far, as well as Volume 2. God damn. Volume 2, 706K. Volume 4 at 25 with 648K. We got Jujutsu Kaisen Volume 23 and 111 days, 1.4 mil. We got more Social No Fair in Volumes 3 and 1 
both at 668 and 782. Jeez Louise, it's doing numbers, numbers. Uh, let's see, then we got places 20 through 11. Let's see here. A lot of people are telling me about Shangri-La Frontier, uh, but a limited edition of Volume 15 has done 21.7K in five days. Good stuff. More so, so no free error in Volume 11 with 338K. That's the latest volume in 38 days. Not bad at all. Amazing. Uh, we got Detective Conan, Hanzawa-san, The Criminal, Volume 8. In five days, 26K. And then let's go over to top 10, top 10, top 10. We got the latest volume of Four Nights of the Apocalypse. Volume 14 in six days has done 33.9K. And I'm trying to remember. Is that good? I want to say that's maybe a little bit higher than the norm. I think it's been doing about like 20-ish, 15 to 20. And I might be totally misremembering. But I think those are okay sales, 33.9. I'm not mad at them. I think it should be doing more. But... Yeah. Uh, then we got Tokyo Avengers, A Letter from Baji, Volume 4. In six days, 44K, still making money, despite the fact the series been over for a hot minute. Detective Conan, Volume 104, Limited Edition. In five days, 58.9. Spy Family, Volume 12. In 19 days, 889. God damn, bro. With another almost 100K, 19 days in. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, Volume 24, at number 2. In 19 days, it finally hit a milli with 104K this week. And at number 1, Detective Conan, Volume 104. In five days, 167k. If you add the limited edition, that is well over 200k. Salute to Detective Conan. But yeah, people, that's all the stories I have for this episode. Thanks for watching. I'm Tim, and as always, people, have an awesome day. And remember the golden rule: anime and manga for life, boy. Have an awesome day, peace, and you guys just watched another episode of Whatever News. Have an awesome day. Subscribe and hit that bell to get more. And make sure to check out my album out right now: The Rise of Tim Roosevelt. It is out. Check it out. Have an awesome one. Peace. Thought it would have been, wish it would have been. Acting like I'm fine is getting harder to pretend. I said, thought you would have been, wish you would have been. Maybe I was wrong, it was me all along.